They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. I was told recently that half of being smart is knowing what you're dumb about. I did my best to ignore the fact that the person ended their sentence in a preposition, I am a nerd, sue me, but it got me to thinking. I'm still thinking about it, to tell you the truth. Had me thinking about the Tao of Omar Devon Little. He's talking about money. When he robbed the poker game, attended by Marlo Stanfield, who after years of losing at the poker game, finally won only to get robbed by Omar Damone Little. And as he's going through, picking up his spoils, Marlo says, that's my money. To which Omar responds, in kind, boy, don't you know, money don't got no owners, only spenders. I feel that way about facts as well. Thinking about what I was told about being half as smart and knowing what you're, is knowing what you're dumb about. Facts don't give a fuck about your feelings. You can yell, scream, stomp. Two plus two will equal four forever. And I find myself not necessarily in a quandary about that. I just find it funny that people try to fight facts with their emotions. Or they say, well, those are my facts. No, my guy, that's your opinion. You don't own facts either. They're only realizers and deniers. Which one are you? And what cannot be denied is that you are now being welcomed into the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The open run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland, and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, especially right now at Anchor.fm. I wanted to start off by issuing a blame my mind, not my heart apology to Malika Andrews of ESPN, the first woman to ever host the NBA draft back in late June. I forgot to talk about that and I was really impressed by that. And it sounds like a small thing until you realize it's 2022 and it's the first time it happened and the NBA has been around 75 years. So, shouts out to her. Speaking of ESPN, since I'm on the topic, I know in the words of that immortal Negro poet Carlton Douglas Reidenhauer and his sidekick, William Jonathan Drayton Jr., who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy or an ESPY, as ESPN declined to invite Player of the Year and NCAA Women's Champion Aaliyah Boston, the leader of the pack down there with the Gamecocks, as she's been nominated for Best College Athlete, And it seems like, again, not a big deal until you realize that last year, another woman who was up for the same award, UConn's Paige Beckers, actually won the award and got on the stage and advocated for recognition of black women in sports. And then they don't bring Aaliyah Boston to the ESPYs. So is it about the award or is it about the principal? Is it about 
who is allowed to stand on stage and advocate for themselves or advocate for other women or to be allies. Well, this is the art of facts. We know what it is and then we'll know what they'll say. These are our facts. This is the reason why we didn't invite Miss Boston. Okay. A person who gets barked on on the regular. As a matter of fact, there was a stat, and I might have spoken about this before, but someone brought it up just recently, that 87% of Skip Bayless's tweets are about the hashtag, he who shan't be named, he's no stranger to it. A lot of news around him, as it is each and every week. Was that a summer league game of the Drew League out in California? Legendary Los Angeles summer league going on since 1973. Made his debut, and of course, it's going to get parsed by, you know, the usual suspect. That was not plural. 42 points, 16 rebounds. It's a summer league game. He's not out there playing like NBA speed, NBA level. Oh, man, they barely won the game, and he missed a free throw late, and he was 2 for 13 from the field in a summer league game. That's when you know you're great. That any flaw, I guess that's the, the nature of the beast in social media today. Now, allegedly, one Kyrie Andrew Irving was supposed to play in the game before the game that the hashtag he shan't be named, and also his teammate on the squad he, he participated with, DeMar Darnell DeRozan. Maybe people think about, man, if he had only come to L.A. instead of going to Chicago. If Rob Palenka hadn't gone out and gotten Russell Westbrook, blah, blah, blah. But Kyrie Andrew Irving was supposed to play in a game before them didn't show. Now, I am man enough to admit that I've called him a flake, called him worldly flat, so many different things on the show. But I'll give the devil his due. I always will. The man's going to live his life, and I have to respect that. Most people don't. I get it. Or many people don't. I shouldn't say most. And when they found out that he was some 55 miles away from C-O-M-P-T-O-N, he was actually in Thousand Oaks helping L.A. Player Development Director Phil Handy, one of the best in the business, run a girls' camp. So everyone was saying, oh, Kyrie flaked. He didn't show up. Of course, he's going to no-show, but he's in L.A. And, of course, the speculation goes, well, he's in L.A. Working out with Phil Handy, that must mean something to the Lakers. Yeah, except, except for the fact that Phil Handy was his trainer when he was in Cleveland as well. Make of it what you will. Not my facts, your facts, just the facts. And on the hashtags HBO show The Shop, he made some very critical remarks about the U.S. government and their efforts to get Brittany Griner back into the country. He said something that, of course, people are going to parse. They're going to be critical of his statement where he says that maybe Griner should feel like she doesn't want to come home because of the way she's being treated. I can understand that. But of course, they got flipped in terms. Oh, you must be must be Chinese, but you because you get your shoot. Oh, relax, my guy. As the people at home don't don't love Brittany Griner like that, and that's how she can feel. Like she's in a cell, thousands of miles away from her home, her loved ones, the game she loves. Like it's, I'm sure, tough. One could imagine if you've never been there. He also made critical remarks about the city of Boston, Massachusetts, long a racist hotbed. From the time of William Felton Russell, the greatest winner in team sports history, they built a tunnel for Ted Williams. Russell? Not so much. Ask yourself why. Oh, he was surly. Right. He had a right to be a hostile word to William Jonathan Drayton Jr. Talked about him earlier. Flavor Flav. Anyway, he called Boston racist as fuck. They're fans. The difference between fans and fanatics I've spoken about at nausea on multiple podcasts and 
radio and television shows across this country and others. And there's a line you just cannot cross. Fans in Boston don't believe there's a line because they believe they own the players. Not to say that all the fans are like that. That would be a misrepresentation. But I get the perspective. This is not something new. It just so happens to be being said by one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time. We can argue that later. Or maybe we don't. Because the young pup, Anthony Edwards, just starting his career, on the verge of superstardom, A1 since day one, quoted recently about the hashtag, and he said, I've never seen so many people be so happy to see an athlete fail more than the hashtag. His whole career, he's been hated on constantly and slandered to no end, to the point where when he retires, nobody would have appreciated his greatness. I'm glad I will be one who did. You can feel how you want to feel about whatever player, especially this one. Whether you're protecting the mythology of Michael Jeffrey Jordan or some other player. Maybe someone playing later in his era, one Wardell Stephen Curry II, and trying to make false equivalencies about the weight of championships and who has more, who should have this, and or when points do matter, when points don't matter. You know, the goalpost move, depending upon who you're talking to and who you're talking about. Look. I just ended a sentence in a preposition. I'm sure it can be traumatizing. I cannot imagine the scrutiny he's gone under and still be able to succeed at the level that he has. But he's built for it, clearly. And he's done well with it, for the most part, that we can see outwardly. But I don't know. I'm dealing with some trauma myself. I don't really talk about my business like that in this podcast, but it's something that's very personal to me. And when I think about People who spend time, quote-unquote, hating. It's not a word or a phrase that I use often. It drives me to ask the question, not only to them, but to myself, when I feel as though I should say something about it or deal with it. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? Well, you can answer that question. It's rhetorical for me right now. But what you can do to help me be happy is to come back for more on the other side of this on The Open Run with Will Strickland. champion from 2017 fitty fitty also young prince yeah. prince's wave showing up from montreal they're ready to rock and i see yeah. the open run in the corner but as it has to be because of what we're doing yeah. we can't go wrong with that full court 21 all world i don't know if, i don't know which one works better the black or the white what you saying i don't know the black we gonna go black. huh you said the black one works better yeah all right so we're gonna work with that then so you ready? Ready, man. Let's do this. Let's rock. Let's do this. Back giving you more of what you asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with the 2017 Full Court 21 Montreal qualifying champion, but also the 2017 all-world champion, defeating players from 40 cities across four continents around the world, going across Canada, challenging himself and other players in different markets, whether it be Edmonton, Halifax, and even Toronto, where he finally got off the snide 
and won a 2022 Full Court 21 Toronto Championship. My man, Nolan Gooding, a.k.a. Fitty Fitty, what up, though? Not much, man. How you doing, sir? A lot of accolades, my guy. A lot of accolades. Been around the block a little too much, you know? Well, I mean... Those type of nicknames as you go. Of course. Of course, you know what we do. I mean, I'm not going to get into your nicknames because you, your background looks real sexy, my guy. You're looking like you're doing a lot of things back there. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. I already talked about you being on OnlyFans out there. Making don't videos. Don't try like, to expose me like that, man. No, no. Come, come on, man. Like that, man. You, you sure? Like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I heard you were doing like a military flick called Saving Ryan's Privates. You know, I'm like, yo, whoa, wow. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. I'm just messing whoa. with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yo, look. What was it like? Well, let, let's start here because what I do with each and every one of my guests who come on the podcast, have you run your resume and your basketball career and what you've done with, with basketball, what it means to you to still be playing at this time in your, your life. So run your resume, my guy. Let me know what you did and how you got here. Damn, man. Oh, hey, let's go date back to high school, Oakwood days. Play my Are you went to Oakwood? I went to Oakwood. Okay. From 2000 to 2005, five years. Played my whole, whole, whole high school career with Oakwood. Learned a lot. Uh, had a couple of coaches, a couple of good coaches that taught me the game, taught me mm -hmm. how to play defense in a proper way. I had great players from high school that I still talk to and affiliate with. Then I went to Humber for about a year, right after high school. Great experience over there. Then after... Took a year off, went out to uh, Windsor, played a year out in St. Clair. And then I finally got into university. I got into Win University of Winnipeg, went out there. That was a big, uh, was a big, big, big culture shock. What do you big mean? When you say culture shock, what do you mean? Just the people over there was just completely different from how I've been living in Toronto and, and, and dealing with the fast paced lifestyle of Toronto. Winnipeg over oh, in Winnipeg, it's a uh, it's a lot slower. People are a lot more kinder. Uh, people are more willing to help you with stuff. So it was just a, like a different, different, different uh, shock over there. What, was it, was it different? Was it different? Good or different? Bad though? Did it help you? You feel like it helped you a lot? Oh, it most definitely got me uh, helped me grow as a person, mm. especially living there by by yourself. So you you start to learn how to how to fully do things on your own and just becoming a a young man at the time there mm. so i definitely enjoyed those years even though my first year i tore my acl in the second half of the season yeah. so that kind of put me on the block and then i ended up touring my acl again with the same knee and that put me back another year and a bit so mm. it was a struggle it was a struggle it was good, but it was also a struggle in the basketball content in life. Because mm, like, you want to do something with the game, no? Absolutely. So lifestyle, it was, it, it was a good good way of growing up. Mm -hmm. But then in the basketball aspect, it kind of slowed down what I wanted to do. Mm. But it also taught me the game a lot more because thankfully my coach over there didn't give up on me. He ended up helping me or let me be uh, part of the, the coaching staff so mm. i learned i learned the game from the outside instead of the inside no doubt and when you say being a part of that coaching staff maybe it's a blessing to disguise because 
you had aspirations to, to play professionally, whether the case might be, but you actually learn more about the game, being on the outside of it, looking at it from a coaching perspective, as opposed to being a player all the time. No, absolutely. So you, I've learned both sides and like the, the year, almost two years, basically of just being behind the bench and started learning how, how, how players tendencies were, mm. um, just picking up the game in a, in a in a whole different aspect. And when I finally got back on the court, it was easier to understand the game, even though I was still battling my own my own demons at that time of getting back into injury. I mean, getting back to playing and getting back into actual game time shape. Like it was very difficult at that point, but very easy to handle what was coming to me at the same time. You know, it's crazy about what you just said, and it makes me think about a lot of athletes, including myself. Like, when you start to doubt your game, you see game erosion, or you see, like, you aren't playing at the same level, you want to let it go. Like, if I can't play the way I want to play, if I can't be that guy, then it's very tough for me to say, well, I'll be able to get back to that. So you're fighting yourself, like you said, these inner demons, and trying to decide if this is the road you want to go. But what made you say, okay, this is what I want continue to do because I remember the first time I met you. Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, Harbor Front. Right. And just so you know, it's probably when I was out there uh, asking people if they'd heard the word. <laughs> that famous They thought I was talking about the Bible, the, the Bible, but what was the word, sir? Have you heard the word? You remember what it was? Got them shirts. Got them shirts. <laughs> Some might find shirts you're wearing there, sir. Might find. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, who is this like strong James Harden looking dude going to the basket, killing people right now? I'm like, I need to know this cat. And you were in there killing, can't front. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm starting this thing up here. Um, Garcia, uh, you know, my guy, Bobito Garcia. And I was like, Bob, no doubt. I want to make sure I'm like, let me get this guy, let me see if I can get this guy in, in, involved in this because I think it, he'd be good for it strength, physicality you know, ability to finish the rim, either hand, free throws. He can be good, and we can win this thing because we want to make sure we kept winning at Full Court 21. And I have to tell this story about when we went down in 2017. Well, there are a couple of stories. You know this, right? Where do, where so, do we start? I mean, we, start we can, back in Montreal. Like, do we start back? Let's, let's start the, the reason why you had to go to Montreal. So ah, the 2017 man. Full Court 21 – tournament in toronto do you remember what happened I bust my lip your tooth went right through your lip yeah. my guy like that was crazy this dude was so about it or as i say in the words of percival robert miller he was about it better younger people might not get that one but whatever we had to wrap we ha wrapped his head in gauze and bandage yeah. we had a doctor on site nolan wanted to play so bad he wrapped his head and gauze and kept playing. I'm like, come on, dog. But I respected it because the very next week we had our Montreal qualifier. Guess who shows up in Montreal? Yeah. No let's, good. Let's let's rewind that though. No good. Do you think? When I when I when prior to that, I was up. I had one game in the bag. Mm hmm And then when I got hit, the whole thing just changed. Right. So I was playing, but I was really, I'll be I was really tentative at that point. Right. But you learned your lesson from that too, or maybe you didn't, because once you got to Montreal, you killed Montreal. 
You go on to New York, and on our way down to New York, because we drove down the first time, and we elevated each and every year, like from when we were driving to now I'm flying guys in. Like, this is the growth. This is how we scale up. This is how we're doing better with the organization is that we were driving down. It was early in the morning. You guys, hey, yo, can you turn on um, Sirius XM radio? Can we listen to Sway in the morning? You ever heard of Sway in the morning? I go, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of him once or twice. I haven't heard of it before. And uh, after we checked in our hotel that day, or no, it was the next day. Was it that same day we go? Did we go? I can't remember this. No, we went, it was the next day. It was the next so day. the next day, and you guys don't even know what we're doing. I haven't said anything about what we're do- where we're going at all. If, other than going to Rock Nation to see my boy, Joe. Shout out to Joe, who's now the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nice. Um, but JB was over at Rock Nation. We went to Rock Nation. And then after that, I'm like, yo, let's go uptown a little bit and uh, pull up on this building. It's like the Sirius XM building. Like, where are we going in here? I said, oh, we're just going to Sway in the morning. You're like, how? I said, oh, I've known Sway for like 30 years. I used to promote his records back in the day. So yeah. it's kind of funny, like me being older than you guys and us riding down and talking about that. But these are some of the experiences and the connective tissue that even after five years, is still there. You know, yeah. we're in the studio. We were just there to observe. Remember, we weren't going to go on air or anything. Yeah, because right? Dave, Dave East was supposed to be on the show that day. And then, yeah. Uh, something happened. And then he just jumped on it like. Well, Sway asked me, "What do you, do you remember? What he asked me? You want to be on the show? Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. My guys are here. I'm like, call my guys up and the whole nine. You guys are on there with us. It, it, it's part of the experience, though. Like, there's nothing that's guaranteed in this, but I want to make sure that when you guys go to New York and play in the All World Finals, or when people are coming to Toronto to play in the All Canadian Final, they have an experience." Because I think sure. some of the friendships you create over time when you go to these different cities, like if you went to to Vancouver, the first person you probably end up calling to go and who would, would be who? Demi. Right. The 2019 all world champion. So those kinds of relationships mean a lot. And I, I love that you guys stay connected and talk to each other and find out what's going on. And like it's beautiful. But in the 2017 all world final, Manny Campbell, a.k.a. move the crowd, the 2018 all world champion. That's Could have been guy. 16 all world champion, but he questioned himself because he had Matt Thomas beat. Yeah. 2017 looked like he had the world beat again. He, he had 12 points at halftime. Score goes mm-hmm. to 21. I don't think anyone else has scored at that point. Uh, I'm, I'm not mistaken. Anyone else? Scored. You know, probably the next highest guy maybe had like two, three yeah. at that time. And so I know, I know, I, I know I had like one. I remember at halftime. Well, you couldn't have just one. You had to have at least a basket before you had the free throw. Yeah. So uh, yeah, my fault. You, know, you, you could have gotten fouled. You, you know, you yeah, you could have you were you're right. You could have gotten fouled, missed your first free throw, yeah, and then made the second one and kept possession. So let me yeah. not let me say I remember because I remember it was at that point in time, it was a, a very rough time for me at that point in time because nothing was going my way, ball's not coming my way. Rebounds not going anywhere near around me. Just couldn't catch a break. Me barking at the refs because not getting anything as I'm going in the lane. Right. I understand it was street ball, but like all that was playing playing a big factor at that time. So I was in my head at that point. I remember. Remember what happened in halftime when you came off the court? What I said to you? Yeah, you you gave me a quick talk, and then I tried to let everything go, and I just left whatever was on the court. 
You're about okay. to you're about to walk away. You're about to walk away. And I said, my guy, you didn't come this far to come this far, did you? Do what you do. You got seven and a half minutes to get in the game. And surely you did because many started missing this free throw to close out the game. Oh, you chipped yeah. away, you chipped away, chipped you chipped away and kept going and kept pushing and ultimately became the 2017 All-World Champion because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah, you finish. finish strong. Yeah. I mean, you got, now we got the rest of the world mad at us because we're in four-peat season, my guy. <laughs> Canada been dominated full-court 21 Canada. So, or full court 21 all world since 2017. Exactly. I mean, you got you with the 2017 champion, the 2018 champion, and Mandy, the 2019 exactly. champion, and Demi from Vancouver. And when we do the all Canadian final this year, August 20th, at the Harborfront at Waterfront Neighborhood Center, I'm not going to reveal everything just yet. But of course, you'll be there because you won. And uh, man, all kinds of stuff just falling out of the sky. You know, like I, I know you, you've been geared up a couple of times, just stuff falling out of the sky. And like, <laughs> you know, just I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't even do this stuff, but it just happened to be near me. Oh, just, is that mine? Oh, yeah, that's yours. Uh, that's yours. I told you, all work is light work. Yeah, I know. I know. You, you know what the deal is, but it's not even really <laughs> about the stuff. It's like, I can write to be able to say that. And like, it's a, it's a, is a cool thing to do. And I think that once August 20th comes, the spectacle of it, you know, having those guys from across the country come in and having maybe some special invited international guests show up because they said uh, they are not on a track team. They don't run from no smoke. So I don't know what y'all are offering, but could be somebody from Dominicans, could be somebody from Tokyo, could be some people from San Jose or LA, Philly, Never know. Maybe in New York. Bring them. I'm just saying they'll show up. Bring them. I'm, I'm at home. Ah, like that. Talk to them. Talk home, to them. I got, I got, I, I'm gonna have the crowd with me. I got, mm -hmm. I got the home crowd. So it, it'll be, it'll be a, a honor and blessing to be able to play in front of people that's been watching me play for how many years. Well, I'm going to tell you like Floyd Mayweather tells his opponents or used to tell his opponents, your wife, your kids can get in and fight with you. The fans can get in and fight with you. It's only you against the world. This is almost like boxing in that way. Yeah. Instead of fighting one person, you're fighting four or five other people in the court with you. Yeah. Right? And some people might blame the referees. But as I say each and every week during the tournament, the referees will not save you. The rules will not save you. Yeah. What will save you, Nolan? Your game, only your, your game, game, your package. And I think that's the difference between 2017. I'm gonna keep this frank with you. The difference between how you you seem like you're in a totally different mind uh, frame of mind right now, which I love. In 2017, to where you are right now, this year was easy. I don't want to say easy. It was it was different because of how you approached it mentally. Yeah. Because physically, like the game is the game, right? What separates good from great and great from all timers is this part yeah. what you do with the game up there and what you allow to affect you or not affect you in the moments where it counts the most. Do you feel like that was part of your growth as a player as well? And some of that came from that coaching you talked about earlier. Um, 
all of it plays a factor, but most definitely from playing, from starting playing this uh, full court from 2016 to all the way now, I've learned, I've learned a lot. And each year I, I, I pick up from the stuff that I couldn't deal with and try to evolve it the next time around. Mm. So like from 2017 till, till now, like, as you said, I, I, I had a different approach of the game uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago. I was just, I was just more of a piece of myself, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Just took out all the noise, all the stuff that's been going on in life, and just all that energy that was, all that energy and, and whatnot in my, inside. Just let it all out that weekend. Well, it definitely came out. What when you once you won, that show of emotion, like you were like, finally, I got it here. I want to do it at home, you know. Yeah. And I respect the fact, like I said, you're a, a road warrior, my guy. Yeah. To go and play in Montreal, to play in Halifax. The only place you haven't played is Vancouver. I don't know if that's next. But you would be like one of the few multi-city champions, including winning in New York, that we have in the whole thing. And we've been talking about, it might be a little early to talk about Full Court 21 Hall of Famers, but I mean, I see some first ballot stuff going on over here. I'm just saying. Job's not done, man. Job's no not done. So, not done, man. All right, and you're, you're coaching now, right? Are you still coaching? Yeah, I'm assistant coaching at George Brown, the men's team, with uh, with Coach Dawkins, Jay Dawkins. Okay, so George Brown is a is a college, yeah, here in uh, Toronto. Yeah, it is. It's funny because did you know that I used to coach there? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, the last time before you guys won anything, the last time that the team was even ranked in the country was when I was coaching there with Willie. I just I just moved to Canada. Yeah, and. Coach Willie Dallas, who was one of the coaches there, I was trying to find a place to play basketball in the city. And a guy, Tony, saw me walking down the street toward the gym on King Street. Or I was just walking down the street trying to find places to go Who? Sneakers and bags and everything, right? My man's like, you play ball? I'm like, yeah. He goes, we play ball upstairs. You want to come and check it? So I go upstairs, and he introduces me to the head coach and all of his players were playing at the time, Shaq and those guys. I'm watching them play. And Willie comes over to me and looks at me up and down after Tony introduces me to him and says, yeah, well, I'll let you know if we can play tonight. I don't get a chance to play. I'm standing there for two and a half hours. I don't play. Cool. I could have taken it a certain way. On Saturday, I play at Settlement House in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Local run guys have. And I cook everything moving. Done. Uh, Yo, we're playing this George Brown Summer League. You want to play with us? We play Monday night. I'm like, what time? They said six o'clock. I said, I don't get off work until six. I'll show up at halftime maybe, and I could get there by then. I get there. We're down 19 or we're down 20 at halftime, okay? Yeah. I put on my jersey. I scored 41 points in the second half. We win by 19. And the guy who we beat was a coach of the team that didn't let me play on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. He comes over to me and says, yo, guy, your game, you really play well. Uh, where'd you play? I'm like, you don't remember me? I was in your gym last like last week yeah and that's how we started our relationship by me cooking this whole squad <laughs> <laughs> you know just there's some history there and i love that you're over there coaching with the young people and coaching with coach dawkins what does that give to you as far as your full basketball experience as a player and now as a coach it's all about giving back now pretty much mm-hmm. so just giving back the what the game taught me and what I've learned from the game and try to uh, apply it to, to the younger guys right now. 
and the guys that I'm coaching, shout out to those guys because they're actually the ones that kind of got me back in shape during the, during the season because they were uh, making fun of me and I was getting a little too pudgy. So mm. I kind of hear these noise and the critics and whatnot, and I, <laughs> I make adjustments. So right. shout out to the young guys on George Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you guys ever actually play them? Like, do you play them in practice at all? Oh, I, I'm always, I'm in practice all the time. Right. So I'm saying like, because there were times we didn't have enough players in practice. Some guys were ineligible. They weren't coming to class or we wouldn't let them play. And Willie, myself, and I don't know if you ever met Rodney. Yeah. I don't know. um, Rodney Hampton, for those who don't know, they used to call him H2O because his jumper was water. Yeah. Right. And he played at Iowa State. He's the brother of a friend of mine, Rob Glaze, who we went to Rice University together, guys from Detroit. And we played three on five against them. They'd be playing a zone defense. And they're like, how are you guys scoring on us every possession? Yeah. Right? But it got us in shape. And like, okay, well, you guys don't know where the soft spots are in the zones. We do. We know what we can do as we move the ball. With three of us, you guys can't stop us. And you're in the zone. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I feel like is, is that kind of the stuff you do when you're strategizing against these young cats? Yeah, they think they can beat me because I'm older now. The real challenge is not them, though, is it? It's you yeah. playing against yourself. That's pretty much what it is now. Mm. I'm still I'm in shape, so it has nothing about being in shape. It's me have more experience, and I'm using that against you guys. So mm. they're, they're quicker, more athletic, but none of that none of that matters if you can't apply it with your game, with your mind at the same time. No doubt. No doubt. So are you looking forward to the 20th? <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I am. I don't we'll It's some that. young is it's some young bulls out here, man. I mean, like my man from Vancouver who he beat Demi, he beat Joey Hayward, King Handles. I thought yeah. one of those guys was gonna come out on top. This kid plays steady and strong. Yeah, I was, I was pretty shocked to hear that Demi didn't win. I don't know. You but... may you may end up seeing him. You never know. Eh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Shout out to Demi, but it's okay. No, you, you, know? you definitely might end up seeing Manny. Hey man, me. The amount of battles me and Manny has had, it's 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 crazy. It's endless. I want to I want to kind of capture that note in that photo array that I did recently, just talking about the two veterans and like how important you guys are to the legacy of Full Court Twenty One. You really are. Like that's not gas. That's real. Even if you, when you guys just showing up means something. So I appreciate you showing up each and every year and being a part of this thing, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you having this and 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 getting me to come even even this year. I didn't. I even want to play. Like, oh, who's showing up? Yeah, exactly. you, you like to do the, the, the like they say. Hey, Nolan, it's a party over here. Ah, uh, who all over there? All right, I'm gonna see you all in five minutes. Five hours later, I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> this dude, but I'm glad you showed up, and then you showed out. Yeah, I but, was gonna show up regardless, but. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this before we get out of here. I want you to name the top five competitors you faced in full court 21 since you started. You don't have to be in any order unless you have an order, but the top five competitors you faced in full court 21 in any city that you played. Well, there's two like right off the top of my head. Very Anthony, Ali, mm-hmm. 
of course, like, oh, and Manny for sure. Like, yeah. Once again, like me and Manny have been, been going at each other every year at some point. <laughs> right. But we always, like, we're so, we, we understand the game so well to the point where we can strategize and know what's going on. Mm. And that's kind of the key of Full Court 21, to be honest, mm. to know, is to, to know the little things, like who has what foul, how many fouls, who, how many points. Right. Someone when you're playing 21, you have, people are like, let me go get my score. You don't have anybody out there keeping your score when you play against people on the court. And I like to know who's going to cheat, who has what. I keep a score on everybody when they're playing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember in Halifax, it was Halifax in 2018. We went out there and we had the best of three final series. Julius won the first game. Julius McGee, the 2016 and 2018. Shout uh, out Halifax. to Jules. Haligonian champion. I like to say Haligonian. And uh, after he won the first game, Nolan's like, okay, he wins two, he wins the whole thing. I'll make sure he doesn't win game two. And yeah. you let the kid, what was his name? Newt, win the second game. That just so you can be ready for the third game. And then you bodied him in the third game. And it came down to a tiebreaker. Yeah. Tiebreaker, one basket, one free throw, wins the game. They shot. Yeah. They, see who got the ball first? Guess who got the ball first? Nolan Goody. Yeah. Went to the right to the saucepan. Finished. Is he gonna make the free throw? That still burns you, doesn't it? Shout out to the free throws. That's no. You're burnt. You're burned more by by what happened off the rebound, though. No. I'm more burned. I'm more burned <laughs> about the man than that. The, the the player let a certain player go around him. And got a Dude, if you watch that player. shot, it's a crazy shot he made. You have to give the devil his due. Oh, I gave, I gave, I've given Julius. No doubt. Julius a, a great player. He, so would he be on that list? Because you named two. You named Anthony Otley, the 2017 and 2018 Toronto champion. He won back-to-back yeah. in Toronto. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, you know, I, you know I, what he did to mess himself up in New York, though, right? Uh, didn't he turn his ankle or something? Otley was trying to impress by, you know how we do the Monday run just to get used to the court yeah, and stuff yeah, right yeah. before the tournament on Tuesday? So he was so gassed about me and Bobito that he twists his ankle like, Ant, just go out here, shoot around, like, watch Manny. Let's just do what he's doing, right? Yeah. And Anthony twists his ankle trying to go to the basket on somebody on Tuesday. He can't really play. And every time, like, Bob thought he was going to be that dude because he's watching him working out. And I guess he got – Bob got him amped up. And he got too amped up. (laughs) Then couldn't play on Tuesday. It was just tough, but – yeah, there's some, some stories for sure, but you got Otley, you got Manny, you got three others. I got to put Jules there because he beat me. Okay, so or Julie, uh, Julius McGee? Yes, Demi. Demi Sosa. Sosa, yeah. He's very, he's very, he's very, he's very athletic, very athletic, yes. and, and he has the, the combination of, of an athletic wing of playing both ends of the, of the court. Yes, sir. So kind of hard to strategize and, and guard that type of those type of players mm. so he definitely did his thing in 2019 and it was good to, to see at, at the end of the day just because a fellow canadian won so right at the end of the day if i can't win but if any of my brothers win from from canada i'm all for it and in the video you watch the video from espn plus like you're one of the first ones out in the court like canada yeah. three p three p three p that's always love for sure. Yeah, so 
Well, who's that fifth person? Uh, that fifth person might be that Edmonton kid. Oh, Dusty. Yeah. Dustin G- uh, Gasky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually he hurt himself. He was in a motorcycle accident recently. Really? He scarred up his leg so he won't be able to play, but he was looking forward to coming back. He's the three-time champion out there. Yeah. He was tough, too. He's, He's tough, tough, man. He was tough, but it was very – Back in Edmonton, it was very easy because no one wasn't really playing any sort of defense on them. So, <laughs> you thought the fix was in? I don't know, man. <laughs> I go out there and I get, you I get triple, triple team. Triple team every time I touch the basketball, which is cool. Well, yeah. you knew who you. They knew who you were. You knew the job was hard when you took it, sir. I know. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that at the end of the day. So I probably I'll definitely I'll put them I'll put them out the fifth. Well, just know this that each and every one of the champions from across the country will be meeting at the Waterfront Neighborhood Center Outdoor Court August 20th, 2022, for the chance to call themselves the first all Canadian champion. I'm looking forward to the competition, my guy. Some interesting names. No doubt. Well, let the people know where they can find you online, man. Because you're you're very mysterious. Other than OnlyFans, <laughs> like other than OnlyFans, where, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me at uh, Facebook, um, Nolan Gooding. Also, I have Twitter at Westman Twenty Three. It's pretty much it. Yeah. Kind of stay away from the the Instagram and and, and Snaps and whatnot. So all right, that's pretty much it, man. Well, I appreciate your time and consideration today. I know you had a, a long night at work and, and definitely appreciate you doing this today and uh, go get some rest and we'll see you soon. Oh, wait, to, maybe I should get this to you at some point soon as well. And <laughs> might want that. I don't know. Like you might not be into it. You might want to donate that. I, I don't know. I'm just sitting here. Just it's filling to my lap. So uh, shout out to our official sponsor, eBay Canada and also one of our donors, Xbox Canada, giving up the Xboxes for our champions from across the country this year. So, shout out to them, man. Appreciate it. No doubt. Appreciate you, Will. Um, thank you for having me on the show. And I'll uh, see you when I see you, sir. No doubt. My man. All right, man. Peace out, man. You're now listening to the sound of the open run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic to the speaker. Now it's time for some WNBA action. Shouts out to the very first president and one of the founders of the Women's National Basketball Association, Val Ackerman, who was just awarded the Lap Chick Character Award. I guess it's for a great character in the sport. I shouldn't say I guess it is for a great character in the sport. And whatever role and capacity you have. And Ms. Ackerman has been a leader in so many different areas, including being the commissioner of the Big East when it came back in 2013. So shouts out to Ms. Ackerman. Also want to continue to amplify the message about Brittany Griner being wrongfully detained in Russia. It was noted by one of her U.S. attorneys in Russia that she was issued a doctor's note for the use of marijuana due to her pain, chronic pain. 
don't know how that plays in Russia, like, you know, like somebody could written that. The home of propaganda. But, hey, it is what it is. Or, what is the home of propaganda? I'm about, I'm about to do a deep dive on America versus Russia. I'm not going to do that right now. any rate, please, please, please keep Brittany Griner in your mind, in your heart, as we count down the days to get her back to the United States and back with her loved ones. And we're also counting down the days to the playoff stretch of the WNBA season and noting that after the kerfuffle that happened last year with players having to buy their own tickets to games, to a job as professionals, you know, Joe Sy, the owner of the New York Liberty, had violated the collective bargaining agreement by making sure his players had some sort of quote-unquote competitive advantage, as people had decried, by getting charter flights for his players so they could be okay, be prepared for the games, be rested, part of being a professional athlete, at least in the modern era. Well, for the finals this year, the WNBA has noted that they will have all charter flights for every finals game. It's a start. So congratulations to the WNBA and the women who are going to play in the finals. Who are those teams going to be as we go into our Power Five this week? Of course, at number one, the Chicago Sky, who are doing work. They are rounding in the form, multiple players averaging double figures, including being led by Kalea Copper at almost 15 points a night. They have depth. They have experience. It's going to be tough to beat them in a three-game series. And I really do believe that at a certain point, as they continue to elevate the game, that these women should go to a five-game series for the finals. I like doing three-game series for full court 21. Barbito doesn't like it too much. But I like to do it. So, And number one, the Chicago Sky. And number two, the big push by the Las Vegas Aces to take back what was theirs, but nobody cares about the regular season champ. Watched a game against the Atlanta Dream just recently, and the Dream were drilling them in Las Vegas. The turnovers are a really big problem for the Aces because of how fast they play. But as the game slows down in the playoffs, it could be that a detriment if they cannot protect the pumpkin when it's necessary. And number three, the Seattle Storm. I mean, it's going to be the same story every week. Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, Breonna Stewart. Foundation. The tent poles by which their success is going to be measured. They're going to be one of the teams that makes it tough for the Aces, who looked like they were going to run away with the West earlier this year. It's going to make it tough for anyone to come out of the West and face someone like the Sky, or maybe the Sun, or at number four on the Power Five this week. Even with John Quill Jones being out for health and wellness protocol, they've lost four of their last six. They had a little midseason swoon, but they'll right the ship soon enough. And at number five, just hanging around. With nine games left in a season, counting on the versatile and one of the best players in WNBA history, Alina Deladon, to lead them to greener pastures and maybe back to a championship, one that they won back in 2019. But she is the X factor. And her health, a big, big deal. Before we go, I want to shout out the Indiana Fever, the worst team in the league, 5-22. and And then tell you guys that as much as I like the Stranger Things uniforms they wore this year, don't tell nobody I did watch Stranger Things. It's basically Scooby-Doo for adults. And maybe the 5-22 and 22 is them in the upside down. But just like they're believing in the future, I'm believing in them as well. And I'm believing you to come back because it's not how we start. Just like the Indiana Fever, it's how we finish. And we're going to finish strong. So come back for more on The Open Run with Will Strickland.
It is now winning time on the open run. Throws triple and want to thank my man, Nolan Goody, a.k.a. Fitty Fitty, the veteran. School safety, as he was given the Nick nomenclature in New York City. He won the 2017 All-World Championship. We participated in the 2022 All-Canadian Final in Toronto, August 20th, 2022, against the champions from each and every one of the cities across the country maybe some very special guests. I'll get into them a little bit later as we get closer to that date. I think you're going to enjoy it. Please do come out. Um, we're going to have a good time down at the Waterfront Neighborhood Center in downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And with that being said, it's now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Shouts out to National Basketball Players Association Executive Director Tamika Tremaglio and also NBA Commissioner Adam Silver for doing the right thing for the 115 former ABA athletes. We're now earning a recognition pension from the league in excess of $25 million. So with three years of service, you would get almost $4,000 per year of service in pension. So for instance, say if you played three years this year, you would get somewhere in excess of almost $12,000, 11 and change. If that were the case for some of those guys who played nine, 10 years, that amount, you're doing okay, but still not enough. As many of them are in their 70s, 80s, struggling with bills, some homelessness, things of this nature. It's great that the NBA continues and the Players Association continues to support and help their very own. Part of the brotherhood, part of the family. So salute to Mr. Maglio and also to Mr. Silver. Had a busy weekend during the summer league as the Board of Governors meetings went on. And there were some things that were ratified and brought into play, including the play-in tournament. Now a part of the NBA schedule for the foreseeable future as it's been a success, even though some really great games and really exciting endings. And that's been voted on as well as the take foul. Now in Europe, I think it's done a little bit differently, but if you take an intentional foul and a team has a fast break, normally you just get the foul and that's that. With this situation, you're going to get the foul, one free throw like it's a technical and the ball back. So it could happen at a very crucial time. And of course, people who don't know the rules will talk about how that's a referee cheating because maybe they just don't have the mental capacity or the energy to go and actually look up the facts and rules of the damn game. But are always, or most generally, the first to have something to say about the rules that they don't know. Commissioner Silver also discussed how max players who are trying to force trades will be a CBA issue to be addressed because it's in direct contravention of what the Supermax was supposed to be about. It was supposed to keep players in those markets for longer, to create some sort of tradition, create a draw, create a destination that players want to go there because they're going to be taken care of, well care of. Not the case, as there's always a loophole and everything. The players want to go where they want to go, and they are part of the player empowerment movement these days. Uh, it's going to happen. One player who's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, at least I don't think, is one Darius Garland. The first time NBA All-Star this past season cashed out five years, $193 million. Also, cashing out, if you want to call it that. How can I complain about somebody making four years and $133 million and go, if you want to call it that? I sound nuts. At any rate. DeAndre Ayton, they kept playing with that man's emotions down there in Phoenix, signing as a restricted free agent, an offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, four years, $133 million, which was immediately matched by the Phoenix Suns. I guess they wanted to see what his value was on the market. Still, I thought it was kind of tough. Whatever the case is, 
congratulations to you, DeAndre, and congratulations to the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to find out how real James Harden is. As he's told them, after he opted out of almost $50 million a year to use the money to go bring in the people they need to help them win and move to the next level, and he'll take whatever's left. Hmm. Let's see how long that lasts for a man who's running out of countries to run to, James Edward Harden Jr., and a man who's never left the country in which he was planted when he was drafted in the NBA, Damian Lillard, and the suspect cloak of loyalty in the face of building generational wealth. Dame Lillard took a two-year, $122 million extension to his contract, a five-year deal that will end when he's 37 years old. Now, not all 37-year-olds are made the same. Dame coming off a year where he missed the entire season because of an abdominal issue. So is he going to get better as he gets older? Is his health going to improve? I'll leave that to you to decide. But knowing full well that this team is not going to compete for anything major in the next year or so, two years, three years, as Dame gets older and older, the idea of loyalty ends up being a cloak by which he has not to bear any responsibility one way or the other. Like, oh, I stuck it out with my squad. I stuck it out. And you got the money, too. It's okay. And I like Dame Lillard. I'm not dissing him. I'm just saying that when you come out screaming all that loyalty this and loyalty that, staying in one place, well, there are no expectations. So that's easy bank to stay there and take the money and live under the idea that you are loyal, but not want anything. Ask Kevin Garnett how that worked out in Minnesota for him. When he finally won one, the 2008 Boston Celtics nursed that championship like it's half bottle more wet at the club. It's hard. These guys feel like they're the greatest champions who ever lived. And you can't knock him. When you win, you can talk that shit. So do that. Dame Lillard has never won anything. But his team, the Summer League team at least, won the biggest Summer League. And Trenton Watford was the MVP. Who you say? Exactly. But that doesn't mean that he is not significant. Because his work, to try and find work in the NBA, will be noticed by someone, even if he doesn't stick on a team. There are all kinds of international scouts there for all leagues from China to the Caribbean. So you'll always find a home to play basketball. It just depends on if you want to go to that place. But as I'm prone to do, and I like to give out awards, these awards count more than like the ESPYs or the Grammys. So give out these Do Work Awards for the Summer League and give out the MVP. Even though Trenton Watford was the MVP of the Vegas Summer League, I think the best player this summer in all the different leagues, whether it be in Utah or the California Classic, was Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Now, I didn't know Keegan Murray's game would translate to the NBA. And, of course, the Summer League, so I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. But we know the usual suspects played well. Top three picks. We talk about Paolo Bancaro being shut down after two, three games. I think it was two games. Same thing with Chet Holmgren. I think after three games. Jabari Smith. Guys like that. You know, those guys played their parts. But Keegan Murray looked really, really good. Now, he's not the Black Falcon. I just wanted to say that because they're both from Iowa. And I'm talking about Harrison Barnes. But he did play well, and it was something to see some of these young guys step up and seize their moments, because you never know. The second-year players are important to me because after they get over the yips of their rookie year, you start to see them forming their NBA teeth and NBA legs, really, which sounds crazy to say. But it's like a little kid. You start to walk and start to chew real food. Well, that's what happens with the second-year players. So I'm giving up to Trey Murphy III, a guy who I said in the preseason do-work awards last year would lead all rookies in three-point percentage. And what did he do? Lead all rookies in three-point percentage and show up and show out in the playoffs this past year as a rookie. But what I don't like 
is the second year players like Jalen Suggs and different guys like that opting out of playing in summer league. That's straight sucker sauce. How do you get better? How do you, you don't get better sitting out? You don't get better by protecting your body. You're 20 years old. Go out and play. Take care of your body. Don't be out all night. Staying up all night like old people like myself. You can't do that. You see a guy like Josh Giddy, who came from the NBA Academy in Australia, working on his chemistry with Chet Holmgren because he knows his bread is about to be buttered over there. And does that make Shea Gilders Alexander somebody expendable to them? They have a heavy payroll over there with the Canadian backcourt of he and Lou Dort. A couple, $300 million in that backcourt between those two. Somebody's getting moved. I'll just put that into your ears right now. Keep that in mind. And remember I said it. But the honorable mention, best sophomore, best second-year player in the summer league this year, going to give up to Quentin Grimes from the New York Knickerbockers, also Cam Thomas from the Brooklyn Nets, and Isaiah Joe from the Sixers, who was really good on both ends of the floor. I don't know how much he's going to help them in regular season. Again, we've seen amazing summer league performances, only to have them mean nothing once the regular season starts. Now, the Golden State trio of Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and of course, James Wiseman had people intrigued, and I was intrigued as well. Wiseman didn't play that much, but what he did when he's on the floor, pretty impressive. Can he stay on the floor? Can he stay healthy? We're going to find out this season. And I'm giving out the fun and fight for my Hoops Lives Awards to Kenny Lofton Jr. His dad, Kenny Lofton, was a pretty good player in Arizona. Played, I think he played with Steve Kerr. Went on to choose baseball instead. I thought that was a smart move for him. And Kenny Lofton Jr. was big boy in Chet Holmgren all day. You're going to see a lot of people go at Chet Holmgren like this in the season. I mean, he was putting a body on him. Like a bigger, more skilled Oliver Miller. For those who remember, the big, big, big O played against him in college and in high school. I did when he was at the University of Arkansas and I was at Rice. Yeah, Kenny Lofton Jr., good time. I think he's one of those guys you're going to root for. As well as Xavier Simpson, go blue all day, every day at University of Michigan. They call him Mr. Hookshot because of the way he finishes at the basket. I guess that works out for him. He's a shorter guy, smaller guy, figuring out different ways to, to finish at the saucepan. So, you know, got a nickname. I don't know if he'll stick. We'll find out. And of course, my 19th favorite player in the NBA, the immortal Taco Fall, who was with Utah this summer. Will he get a shot now that Rudy Gobert's gone? I believe so. Now, all these guys who are fighting for their lives, the guys who might end up being 9th, 10th, 15th, 20th player on the bench, called up from the G League, whatever the case might be. I want to address this before I get out of here about certain goofies online calling these guys the 9th to 12th man on an NBA roster. Bums. And this is coming from cats who couldn't score 20 points from a Nerf hoop in a room by themselves playing for three hours. I mean, if that's the case, you can call them bums. Maybe it's time for you to reevaluate your life and that's the fact of the matter so until next week do remember do what's popular with the population make sure you don't get beat off the dribble and keep listening to the podcast where basketball and life are one it's the open run with will strickland rich kid my mellow my man do what you do when you do it easy <laughs>